Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com, and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras, and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. We've all been to the party or tailgate with that person. You know, the one who makes everything about politics. Or there's that relative, the one you blocked on Facebook because you'd prefer to opt out of toxic conversations. I'm Sarah Stewart-Holland. And I'm Beth Silvers. We host Pantsuit Politics, where we take a different approach to the news. On Pantsuit Politics, we opt out of the shouting and scorekeeping while still recognizing that elections matter. We're here to look at the headlines as citizens. We pay attention to politics, but also keep it in perspective. Pantsuit Politics was named one of Apple's best podcasts of 2021 and GMA3's podcast of the month. Take a different approach to the news with us in 2023. Pantsuit Politics releases new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Listen on the ACAST app and wherever you get your podcast. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, February 8th, 2022, and it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And joining me from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What up, though? I, did you notice? I plowed through that February 8th with confidence. You did a great you did a good job. job. The confidence. <laughs> I felt the confidence. I, yep. You know what I'm saying? I felt the confidence. It was still mispronounced, but I felt it. the confidence. Um, <laughs> and what all I find takes, in, in most circumstances, you can... And I've learned this from recent political administrations. As long as you say something with confidence, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, you don't have to be right. It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be based in reality. Uh, if you just say it loud enough... And yeah. angry enough and confidently <laughs> enough, people yeah. will not only believe it, but dedicate their lives to trying to make oh it out. Very weird. Yeah. But uh, oh my get in the truck and just head north. Oh, my God. Wow. I always tell my kids when we go places and they're like, are we invited in here? I'm like, listen, act like you are. No one's going to ask you if you are. You just walk in. Hey. Act like you've been here before. Say my hey. first time. I know a, a lot of green rooms and backstages, yep. and that is absolutely the case. If you're walking around the back halls of an arena or something like that with mm-hmm. confidence, like you're supposed to be there, nobody stops yep. you. You just, yep. yo, act and, like you know and, where you're and going. Being a person that's on the other end of that, that's the most frustrating thing in the world. Because you just sitting there eating your chips, sitting and there eating right. your whatever, and then you look up, you're like, who the heck is this dude in the corner looking weird? Taking pictures of you. You <laughs> <laughs> like pictures of you, like, bro, hey, uh, who is but this? See, I'm like, that guy is not following the rules. Because if you're going to act like you're supposed to be there, you know you ain't taking pictures of nobody. That's you right. just chilling. I'm like, fam. What was this? Oh, oh yeah. I, uh, 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 I just uh, well, uh. <laughs> security. And years ago, years ago, Cameron and I were in Las Vegas for NBA Summer League, and oh they were record- and it was a it was a hype weekend, and they had lots of great things this, happening in town. This story is the 
perfect example of the difference between me and Jesse. All right, take it away. So I really wanted to go, and Cameron did too. It was a Bill Simmons Ringer Network was doing like an evening of live podcasts. And the guest list had like Daryl Morey, who's like a big figure in the NBA. He's a GM. It had David Mm -hmm. Chang, who I know Cameron and I are both big David Chang, Ugly Delicious, Mm -hmm. Mama Fuko. You know, it it was just just athlete and artist and and really cool people. And it's like, dude, we have to go to this. This is going to be so fun. And just for like a little R&D. Yeah, yeah, Bill I mean, Simmons yeah. and just a little R&D on how what, what a, a podcast live show can be. So anyway, like it's sold out weeks in advance. So we go and we're like, let's just go and see if we can, you know, find a way in. So we're going and we're standing outside with the door shut. And I see people walking into like a backstage area. And you can see when the door opens, it's like where the talent is hanging out before they go on stage. And I'm like, Cameron, I'm just going to walk in there and go stand. And Cameron's like, don't do that. Don't do that. I walked down the hall. I want nothing to do with this. He was so uncomfortable. He just walked away. And I walked in just like I owned the place. And David Chang is standing there. And I just stood next to him like, hey, what's up? And then I just texted Cameron and I, I did I open the door for you? And uh-huh. I, cause you ended up well, making you know your what? way. I went down the hall and there was like a bar down there and I, and, and uh, some of the guys from Pawn Stars were just hanging out. And yeah. so I'm just like, where am I right now? And then Jesse, and then I look up and Jesse went from hanging out by this door and kind of plotting his moment to Jesse's gone. He went onto the stage. Jesse's <laughs> there. And I'm stuck here down with Pawn Stars at the bar. And then Jesse's like texting me like, dude, just come, just come right now. And sure enough, I go up there. Jesse cracks the door open. I slide into and I'm standing there. It's David Chang, Jesse and me four feet from Bill Simmons and Daryl Morey. And like we are on stage with these people. And David Chang looks at us like, oh, I guess I don't know who y'all are, but I guess you're supposed to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. Next to me. Here. <laughs> yeah. See, very like, confident fellows. Why not? You know, you wouldn't be here if you weren't supposed to be. So what's up, yeah. dude? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I was mortified at first, though. Confidence. Then, the moral of the story. I, lived, I glimpsed a moment of how Jesse lives his life. And it was like, man, this is a life better lived. I need to say yes. <laughs> I need just to just walk through the just door. Walk right through, man. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, we have a great show. If you heard uh, the Friday show, you know we're messing up the format a little bit. Well, this show is going to be a little bit more familiar. We're not changing the order. But uh, instead of doing our game at the end of the Tuesday episode, we are now doing your feedback at the end of this episode. We have a uh, great guest today. Deborah Faleda is coming on. We're going to talk about relationships and relationship health. And obviously, uh, we will have slices. So stay tuned up next. It's Slices. Listening to Yumi Zuma in the eyes of our love. Well, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey, it's 2022 and mental health is finally a thing. A lot of people are struggling right now and aren't feeling like their normal selves. Well, guess what? Therapy helps. What is therapy? It's whatever you want it to be. You can talk privately to someone if you feel like you're not dealing well with stress, you're having relationship issues, job issues, whatever you need. Don't be ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better. You deserve to be happy. 
And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. You don't have to see anyone on camera if you if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are using BetterHelp and see what therapy is all about. And right now, Relevant Podcast listeners can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash relevant. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash relevant. Okay, it's time for... Frases. I don't like it. That's, that's, that's not sticking. What? Derek what missed him. <laughs> Derek missed oh, it. Derek wasn't here. Derek missed it. <laughs> Uh, you gotta play. You gotta play it for Derek. Get him ready, Clark. Here we go, Derek. So you remember that that like the sexy slices jingle that that listener sent in? Yeah. He sent in five others, and so on Tuesday, uh, last last Tuesday, uh, we played them all, and, and like. I guess Clark liked the the chicken one the best. I don't know, but like, uh, <laughs> there, listen here, play play the other one so Derek can hear him. He's a producer; okay. he'll appreciate this. Here we go. All right, here we go. Sh- uh, chef slices. Okay. Slices. We didn't like that one either. It was all right. A little, a little, a little fancy, a little fancy, a little too fancy. All right. Okay. okay. It gets dark right now. <laughs> uh, head roll slices. Slices. Oh my god! That's so bad. That's the last scene in the yeah, the last scene in the Thief of the Night movies. Yeah, that is terrifying. (laughs) Play play the. We need a palate cleanser. Play the sexy one again. Like just play that one. Hey girl. Mm. 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 I gotta do that. Uh Yeah, and then okay. Uh, lumberjack. Here's the thing I, I appreciate about this though, bro is really creative. Mm-hmm. Like, is it like the head rolling thing? Oh, yeah. oh. that is crazy! It's it ain't gonna work for you know <laughs> radio. It's <laughs> really creative. Like, yeah. dude is he's extremely creative. What's the last one? Then there one more. Oh, ninja slices. Yo, that's kind of hard. I I think that's kind of hard. That's the one, man. All right, let's. Okay, I'm gonna let's. That's not bad, bro. Let's reset. Here we go. That'll be the one. So I'm gonna start at the beginning. Here we go. And now it's time for slices. Yeah, it works. (laughs) I like it. Let's get it. Let's stick with that. All right, what do you have, Jesse? All right. Um. I don't know about you guys, but uh, it's even during the pandemic, this got even worse for me. I've never been a good sleeper. I've always kind of, you know, had kind of insomnia. I wake up in the middle of the night and it's just I, I have trouble, you know, getting a good getting a good night of shut eye. But I recently ran across a story in The Atlantic uh, that may shed some light on a long term solution for insomnia. And it, it's even something that uh, uh, so it can really help people that are suffering from anxiety. So, researchers, uh, and I encourage people to go read the story. So, if you just Google The Atlantic Sleep Study, you'll find it. Um, 
But anyway, researchers have been looking at journals and writings of, of figures uh, prior to like the Industrial Revolution, when we had electricity and things that would allow our nights to be pretty long. Like now we can sit up and watch Netflix all night if we want. Uh, but this is pre, you know, how people thought and just felt uh, pre-Industrial Revolution, particularly kind of in the medieval times and around the uh, period, the Renaissance period, when when people were writing a lot about their pride. And these are these these are private journals that they've investigated from around. It should be noted from around the world with people with no connection to each other. Mm-hmm. What they found is people would constantly reference a time in the middle of the night where they're up doing things. Um, they found this throughout different cultures, um, you know, at different uh, you know centuries apart, and they've been able to piece together a lot of understanding from these writings that people pre-industrial revolution would practice what they call segmented sleep, which basically mm. at nightfall they would go to sleep. They would then wake up around midnight and have a couple hours where they would have this period of just getting stuff done. They would sit by the fire. They would read a book. They would do things around the house. Then they would go back to sleep a couple hours later and sleep till morning. Now, they actually, researchers are using this to determine what is the most natural sleep pattern for humans to actually um, observe. Because a lot of our current sleep patterns, we've kind of hacked circadian rhythm with technology. Like we can turn mm. lights on and stay up very late. But what is the natural, actual rhythm? And how can we find that? Through these writings, they found that this segmented sleep was practiced. Even even Martin Luther referenced waking up every night. And this is, uh, and, and, to, and this is what he said said to ward off the devil in the night. This is taken from a private journal of Martin Luther in 1540. Almost every night when I wake up, and he's talking about you know the, his, his challenges with the devil, I instantly chase him, the devil, away with a fart. That's Martin Luther in, night, in 1540, like openly acknowledging this is a nightly thing where he wakes up and you know does his business or whatever he has to do. But thinkers throughout generations have actually referenced this with yeah, a with a fart. That, that's what Martin Luther. <laughs> that's not me, Martin Luther. I try to keep this pretty. I can't. That is like, the devil. I, like it's. I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. It just uh, smells so bad that the devil runs, you know. But oh, wow. but in in one of the researchers who's been studying this has looked at people who are reacclimating to this sleep pattern, which is called segmented sleep. And uh, they said this: there's mounting evidence from North America, Western Europe, and Australia that knowledge of this pattern has actually helped to alleviate anxiety, uh, permitting individuals to fall back asleep more readily. So even mm. just knowing when you wake up in the middle of the night that this is maybe my body's just kind of falling into a natural rhythm can. can can alleviate some of the anxiety, some of the anxieties involved with insomnia. But there are other people who are experimenting with this new sleep pattern uh, because it turns out maybe we and our technology are not uh, doing sleep the way it was designed to be done. So I thought it was really interesting. It'd be really hard to go to bed right at nightfall. I will say that. Like yeah. I, I'm not a person who could fall asleep at like seven thirty. Um, mm. But but I do think yeah, it's interesting. If you, if you started like getting up at dawn and you know like you're you know what I mean? Like all these people, like they, they, you know, like your your dad's like, oh, you lazy, you sleep till eleven a.m. or whatever, and I get up at five. Yeah, but you're taking it. You're falling asleep watching TV at seven thirty at night. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's just, yeah. everybody's sleeping right. the same amount. It's just you shifted uh-huh. up. You're on a different time zone than me. You, you know yeah, what I mean? You shifted yeah. your time. Yeah. So you yeah. could, Jesse. I mean, it was just shifting your time zone. You know, yeah. so to speak. And I but, think too, like culturally, if you travel around the world in you know third world countries where there's not adequate or or advanced uses of electricity in everyone's village or town or house you go to bed when the sun goes down because mm-hmm. what are you going to do you know and right. so we just True. we have True. we have evolved into 
I mean, electricity electricity hasn't always been here, obviously. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's changed our whole body systems. Yeah, and and, yeah. and it turns out it you know according to writings for centuries and centuries, it turns out you know even just getting a quote good night's sleep might involve a period of two hours where you're uh, up and awake and then go back to sleep. That's how people have been sleeping for centuries. Not till a, a, a single eight hour session is a very modern innovation, which is huh. kind of the results of this interesting. Study. Yeah, that's that's what's been happening that's to me very lately. Interesting. I've yeah. been waking up at like 2 a.m. almost like clockwork and then my brain's going and then maybe around four I can fall back asleep, you know, like after I kind of write stuff down or sort out whatever was on my mind. I guess my body was subconsciously trying to process problems and different things. And then I wake up and it's like right there, you know, so maybe and I it's think the yeah. change. The change now in our culture is that you still have a regular full day to live. You still have yeah. technology. You still have screens in front of you. You still have right. all the things. Whereas previously, you could maybe do that. And I mean, that's why I, I love traveling sometimes. I mean, when we go to Spain, they take naps every day. I'm like, this is amazing. You know, like, but our culture is yep. not set up that way to let you get back what you need. Our culture is get to work. Yep. <laughs> get to work. Have you noticed that the, the yep. countries where they do like an afternoon nap, like culturally, they also eat dinner at like 10 p.m. So you know late. I mean? They yes. take that sleep from yeah. the end of the night and just put it in the middle of the day. So we're all yeah. still sleeping the same amount. Uh-huh. It's just different order, different time yep. slot, you know. Yeah. But interesting. All right. What do you yeah. have, Jamie? Well, I know that you guys are all fans of The Office and I Literally loved watching The Office. I did not last I, night. See? My son watched it. We, we've seen it all in our house as well. But now your I'm going to tell my son this. He'll make him so happy. There's a new Office video game. All right. So it is now available to you could download it right now. It's called The Office. Somehow we manage. It's now available on our Apple and Android phones. And the game is based around trying to save the Scranton branch of Dunder Mifflin from downsizing. So it, 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 you the, it gives you the chance to kind of immerse yourself in icon, iconic moments from the series and connect with your favorite players forever before. That's and dope. I think this is just like an interesting thing about how this television show, which you probably know, Cameron, when did this go off air? Oh, 13, 12. Okay, yeah. so here we it's are almost, you know, eight years later. Yeah. And it's still having moments of resurfacing. And I just think that is like a clue of like, this is a, a show that can stand the test of time. Well, and oh, now, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I no believe question. I believe The Office is more popular now, thanks to streaming, especially when it was on Netflix yeah. uh, than it was when it was actually on NBC. And like new generations keep discovering it. But Cameron, it's interesting that um, that you, you mentioned you watched four or five the other night. You know, I I, no, I literally watched <laughs> like ten last night. Well, well, either way, you binged a lot of Office. I'm a member of the Office subreddit community, which I I, I like following. Um, <laughs> what? I didn't and, know that was a thing. <laughs> no, it's a, it's pretty nerdy, and uh, but uh, you know, I have a lot of varied interests. Anyway, but there are people who constantly talk about using the office as therapy during, mm. um, you know, difficult times, especially mm. like post pandemic. A lot of people have used it as literally as sort of just a form of therapy that it offers a degree of comfort. And, yeah, I, and I've thought about this. Uh-huh. Little, yeah, I, I think, I think there's a couple of things. One, I think the characters are obviously relatable. The it's, it's the, you know, it, there is a familiarity to the rhythm of the comedy, but I also think it harkens back to a different time when people would show up to work, 
They would show up at a physical place, do a thing, go home and not think about it anymore. You know what I mean? Mm. And, you know, there was you shared a piece of carpet with people for eight hours a day. And that was basically the relationship you had with that person. And it was just a different way of life that I think a lot of people kind of like thinking back on. Um, but, but, uh, but Jamie, to your point, it's interesting that the office is finding new life Mm -hmm. with, you know, we did, we went on podcasts that are out right now about it, you know, so. Yeah. I, I, I read when it was on Netflix, there was a survey that at the time, this would have been probably two years ago, 26% of the millennial Netflix subscribers said that if the office left Netflix, they would cancel Netflix, that they subscribed to Netflix for wow. the office. 26% of the uh, Netflix subscribers in the millennial age range. And then it obviously went to Peacock and Netflix is just fine. No, nobody left Netflix, yeah. but, but I'll tell you, I'm watching the um, Peacock is doing an interesting thing where they're doing these like super fan cuts and they're extending yeah. the episodes and mm. they're, you know, all the, Side, you know, scenes that were cut are getting added back in. And so that 22 minute episode is turning into 40 minutes or 35 minutes or whatever. They're all different. And, you know, on some of them, it's fun to see the the little cutaways and little jokes and the little interview segments that were taken out. But I'll tell you, whew, thank God for editing. It is way better in its final form than these super fan episodes. Like, it's just, wow. it's just not as good. Yeah. Like the final <laughs> yeah. tight edit you know, like, you know, every writer needs an editor, every producer, you know, every artist yep. needs a producer, you know, you need somebody to kind of like bring, extract the best. And that is absolutely what happened with The Office because, you know, to these, be honest, uh, that's what made The Office, the editing of it is what yeah, made it for yeah, me is agreed. it was so fast, like right. compared to right, all yeah. the other like sitcoms, it was just so like, boom, joke after joke, bam, bam, uh-huh. bam, 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 bam. It's just, so yeah, I, I I don't know if I would like the super. They family. feel they feel they feel Shaggy. loose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, this, the rhythm is off. It's just yeah. not. Well, you're talking about that tight pop 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 pop. There's whole storylines that would have been removed from an episode, like an yeah. entire storyline yeah. with Creed didn't exist in the real show, but it's in the super fan, and it's just it bogged the sh- it bogged the episode down. Like good right. good that they took it out, you know. And Derek, it's interesting. You mentioned the editing role in comedy, especially like the jump cut, you know, jump to a reaction or jump to the next joke or jump pause right when something happened and let your mind kind of fill in the blank. I feel like the next generation of comedy shows are going to introduce editing and comedy in ways that we haven't ever thought of just because of TikTok. We are raising Mm. a generation of, you know, filmmakers who are using a phone and simple editing software to deliver jokes in about five seconds very effectively. I think the next office is going to be a former TikTok uh, filmmaker who is just a master of delivering punchlines just through jump cuts. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, there's this guy, his name is Joshua Neal. He is a genius. Like some of his skits, they're like, and it's just on TikTok. They're three minute skits on TikTok. When I talk about and he writes it all, he uh he he writes it all, he films it all, he edits it all. Like the guy is a legitimate genius. Like it's not just like random guy doing stuff like this this dude is amazing so i'm just letting y'all know like i'm with you um jesse i think that that's the new wave because what josh is doing with comedy on twitter and tiktok 
is it's something that I've never seen before. Like mm-hmm. I've seen people do the situational comedy thing, but he he acts and plays all the parts in it. And it's just like, it's like, it's crazy. Like, so yeah, yeah I, I definitely agree. Yeah. Some of the funniest content created is, you know, 30 seconds on TikTok right now. Yeah, you know? man. Yeah. So. The next Lonely Island will come out of TikTok. Oh, absolutely. Like, for sure. You absolutely. Know what I mean? yeah. yeah, man. All right. What do you have, Derek? Um, we, uh, so there's a study. I think you might be related to this guy, uh, Clark. There's a study oh, okay. by, uh, hold on. Let me see what is, what is, uh, I'm ready. Kyle Flippo. There's a study oh. by Kyle Flippo and he is, Cousin uh, Kyle. interesting. Cousin, Cousin Kyle. Cousin or brother. I have no idea. <laughs> well, anyway, um, you know, obviously alcoholism is, is a, is a big issue and there's been some forward progress and trying to find a, a way to help people wean their addiction. And uh, Kyle, Kyle Flippo is working on a study, and this is peer-reviewed study, that there's a, a hormone called FGF21 that has suppressed the need for alcohol in monkeys. So they're testing this this whole concept of people mm-hmm. ingesting this hormone and it helping to and it helping to uh, lessen their alcohol cravings. So it's been pretty fruitful huh. uh, in these studies. So I guess the only thing I've been thinking is what do, what is a bunch of drunk monkeys like? <laughs> like? How do you run this study? Do you are you just like lighting these? That's are true. you giving them like yeah. giving these monkeys a bunch of Everclear and Fireball Poor and monkeys. then just you like, gotta get them you gotta yeah. get them addicted to alcohol. So they get I'm like, yeah, I'm like, how did y'all start the study? Did y'all give them, you know what I'm saying? Did y'all give them some, some Hennessy? Hey, hey and you then- know what? That's a party I would attend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> Derek, I love that that's the angle you're going with here because when you think about it, it's like we don't just need some monkeys to get drunk. We need to make them addicted. Addicted. We need a lot of them because you got to have a lot of test subjects to see. <laughs> so you got to have a lot of drunk monkeys. <laughs> it, it, it stands to reason that at some lab, at some research facility, there was basically a monkey bar. Okay. Like, <laughs> That's a monkey bar. Not, not, a, not a playground equipment, but a bar for monkeys in a lab. I mean, how right. else are they administering this? What are they, what are they injecting oh them? Gosh. No, they probably have a place where the monkeys go and drink, and right? drink alcohol, man. A literal you know monkey we- bar. You know what's it's weird? Like, is what if you're the a- monkey bartender? Or what, what are you making them? <laughs> you know? This is a thing because there is a bar in my neighborhood called the Drunk Monkey. Like, mm. what? Oh. Nah, bro. No, it's so weird. Yeah, no, it's called the Drunk Monkey. Absolutely. <laughs> That's and it's crazy. Like, it's just a dive bar. But that's so... Oh, that is hilarious. The idea that you got to get all these... You're not just getting them drunk. You're getting them drunk every day, getting them hooked. And then weaning them off. It feels kind of sad if that's that how you have to do sad. that. Yeah, man. It's it's. I just thought about. It. I, I was like, okay, having so a good time. They enjoyed it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you have these monkeys that are all alcoholics. Like yeah. it's like now Alcoholic you're trying to monkeys. figure out. That is really funny. The idea but, of alcohol monkeys. What was the ramp up? How long did it take to <laughs> yes, get them to the saying. point where we would know if this is an effective study? Right. Right? Like, if it's just, <laughs> look, it's, they can't just put monkeys on a bender for like a week no. and then take away the alcohol. You Because that doesn't, that's not going to yield scientific results. No. Like, you need to give <laughs> these monkeys, of- some researcher, it was their job to think about how I can make a bunch of monkeys severely addicted to alcohol. What are they giving and, them? Like fireball? I mean, like what are they getting to do like to make the monkeys want to drink this stuff? You know what I mean? Like this is yeah. why they're scientists. We're not. 
Man, I'm a they rapper. They figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> is there, is there, like was there just like a scientist like with a blender just making gigantic <laughs> fishbowl margaritas? And then the monkey like pushes a button if they want like, you want yeah. a uh, shaken or stirred martini and you just push the button what you want. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. There's a monkey bar. <laughs> yeah, what, what are we talking here? Yeah, what are we talking to this monkey bar? I'm just so curious. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, thank you, Cousin Kyle. <laughs> the actual the news person. is that scientists are it's coming up with a hormone yeah. that could right. potentially alleviate almost like nicorette with addiction yeah, to, sure. to nicotine Same concept. which is a Same great interesting yep. good yeah it's a great it's a great right. thing a but you can read impact. about that you can read about that whenever we're talking about monkey bar here because that's the real <laughs> interesting thing i'm happy about this you know medical uh, breakthrough that will help a lot of people it's great i don't want to underplay it but let's not forget that they, someone got monkeys drunk for a very long time for this. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. That'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned up next. Deb Felita joins us. You're listening to Tavlo. The song is How Long from the Euphoria soundtrack. Well, this week's conversation is part of our new You series we've been doing since early January. It's an eight-week limited content series presented by UHSM. Uh, every week, we speak with leaders and experts on ways we can be healthier this year in spirit, mind, and body. We post new articles every Tuesday and Thursday at relevantmagazine.com. And here on the podcast, on the Tuesday episode, you hear conversations part of that series as well. Well, our guest this week is Deb Falada. She's a licensed professional counselor and an author who's passionate about helping healthy people have healthy relationships. Since Valentine's Day is right around the corner, we thought it'd be a good time to get some good relationship advice from her. How to make your relationship with anyone healthier and happier. Here's our conversation with Deb Falada. When people think of resolutions, a lot of times it's centered around something that, you know, maybe needs to change or it's maybe a bad habit. So what are some of the bad habits you see people tend to fall into when it comes to dating? And what are some resolutions we can make to make it better? You know, I always say that healthy people make healthy relationships and we tend to attract people and engage with people on our level of emotional health. And so one of the best ways for us to recognize unhealthy relationships, to kind of tune our radar into what's healthy or what's not healthy, isn't just by going through profile after profile or date after date. It's actually tuning the radar inside of us, making sure that we are emotionally healthy, that we've dealt with our past trauma and our wounds and our hurts. Because many times in relationships, we're functioning out of those unhealthy cycles of trauma and hurt and pain. And so if that's our cycle, then we are going to date in that way as well. You know, we're going to date based on what we believe we deserve. If we're believing unhealthy things about ourselves, we're going to date in that way and end up dating unhealthy people. So I think the first step to becoming um, healthy and having healthier relationships is by looking in. We, we need to resolve 
to be healthy standing alone. Something I feel like I've realized when I talk to friends is that, you know, we all want a healthy relationship, but for just a variety of reasons, we don't know exactly what that may look like. So what would be a few markers of a healthy relationship? I think the first and primary marker is reciprocity. A relationship has to be made of give and take. And I think we look for other things. We look for feelings. We look for a certain level of attraction. Uh, We look for, you know, hobbies and interests. And we try to figure out if this is a good match or not. But I think even more important than those things is reciprocity. Am I giving as much as I'm receiving in this relationship? I always say that a relationship, a healthy relationship is like a healthy plant. Okay, imagine with me a plant. The problem with this is many times we underwater the plant. We don't give it enough water. And in the end, the plant dies, right? But the other problem, we can overwater the plant. And when you give something too much water, it also dies. You can kill a relationship by giving too little, but you can also kill a relationship by giving too much. And I think many of us are in a habit of trying so desperately to keep this relationship, wanting it to work so badly that we give and give and give with no limits, no boundaries, no expectation to receive. And I think Christians are especially bad at that because we think selflessness means we just give and give and give with no limits and no boundaries. And we end up in these one-sided, unhealthy relationships. So I would say the number one mark of a healthy relationship is reciprocity. that's such a good point you know that it's not always that we don't give enough but that we actually just give too much and I think a lot of times we think you know well let me just try one more time with this person when really it's time that we should be walking away so how can we recognize when it's time to step away from a relationship that is the hard part you know and and it's going to look different for different people I think the healthier you are the faster that last time comes like three strikes you're out bud rather than 30 strikes let me try this again I mean I think the healthier you are the less tolerance you're going to have for relationships where you're not seeing the mark of growth the mark of give and take you know it's it's fine to make an excuse for someone in the beginning a one-time thing, maybe a two-time thing. Life is hard and things come up. But when this becomes a pattern, three times, four times, five times, you're starting to see I'm the one that's always texting. I'm the one that's always initiating. I'm the one that's always sharing. I'm the one that's always asking the questions. I'm the one that's always checking in, reaching out first. You've got to back up a little, pull away a little bit and get a good idea of what's actually happening objectively. Uh, so, so I think what's hard is that some of us are so used to giving and giving and giving that we don't even recognize that we're doing it to a toxic level. And so uh, pulling back, um, and, and looking for patterns right at the beginning of the relationship, what you see in the first few weeks is probably what you're going to see in the next few years. I mean, people show you who they are. It's just a matter of whether or not you want to believe them. What are some tips for people who are maybe just beginning a relationship and they want to make sure they have a good foundation set? Well, I think a healthy relationship is kind of built in seasons. Um, It's not like a once and done thing. 
there's constant work. You know, going back to the plant analogy, if we're cultivating a healthy relationship, there's not this once and done thing. I don't just water it one time and then hope it just continues. I'm going to have to keep investing in conversation. I'm going to keep having to work on the conflict that comes up and figuring out how do I handle conflict? Do I handle it in a healthy way? Do I shut down? Do I go super desperate and just like try my best to, to fix it in the moment? Like what is my conflict style and how do I handle conflict? How do I handle communication? How do I handle my emotions? Another thing too is the boundaries that we set. That's another thing that keeps our relationship healthy. Do I respect myself enough to have boundaries physically emotionally and spiritually? Or do I kind of let people be very free with, with me and, and I don't have limits and I don't say no and I don't kind of set this standard of what I expect. So boundaries are important. Conflict and communication is really important. And like I said earlier, that pattern of give and take. Um, so, so it's not just a once and done thing. It's something that you have to keep working on. And you also want to be with somebody who sees the relationship as something that they want to keep working on too, so that you don't end up in the pattern of giving and giving and giving and not receiving anything in the end. I love that you're talking about boundaries because that's something I know I talk a lot about with friends when, you know, we talk about our relationships. And I think the one part that's always difficult to navigate is, you know, you establish a boundary and you maintain it well, but then something happens and then that boundary gets pushed or it gets broken. So, you know, how do you come back from that? Like, how do you reset a boundary once it's been broken? Yeah. You know, I think the key is having the why for your boundary. A lot of times we just have the what. Okay, this is what I want to do. Here's the boundary I want to set. But when there's no why, a deep why, like why am I actually motivated to keep this boundary? Is it just because I've been told I should have this boundary? Because my parents told me, my church told me, or because I truly believe this is for my good. This is the best for me and for the health of my future. The why has to be established if you actually want your boundaries to stay strong. It's for you and your health and the health of your relationship. And I think it's important to see boundaries in those ways. And if a boundary does get crossed, it's not a matter of just resetting it and starting over. It's a matter of understanding, okay, this boundary got crossed. That means that I need to be firmer with this boundary and B, maybe I need to invite people into my life who also respect the boundaries that I set for myself. So it's not just a matter of blindly resetting the boundary, but then backtracking and saying, am I healthy enough to keep this boundary? And are the people in my life healthy enough to keep this boundary? That was Deb Falada. You can read more of that conversation in the uh, as part of the new You series at relevantmagazine.com. Hey, while you're there, check out the rest of the stuff that we've been publishing as part of the series. Uh, UHSM is sponsoring it. You can find the link right there in our nav bar. Just click on the life section. You'll see new you. Um, and as you're kind of rethinking life and holistically this year, and uh, maybe rethink your healthcare. As you're rethinking your healthcare, look into UHSM. They offer member-based programs where faithful people can take charge of their own healthcare, from telehealth options to plans that cover the unexpected moments in life. UHSM has something for everyone. For more information, head over to uhsm.org or contact a representative at 800 900 
8476. All right, stay tuned up next. It's your feedback. Listening to Calica. The song is Drive Slow. Okay, it is time for your feedback. Uh, if you heard, let's see, when was, when would this have been? Last, last, a week ago, a week and a half ago, Friday? I mean, I don't know. A long time ago, we asked you about snow days. We got talking about Mount Trashmore and, you know, you know, crazy snow day stories. So we want to know your most outrageous or silly snow day memory growing up. You guys hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and other places as well. Here's a few of our favorite replies. Well, this one's from Simply Dan, and there's a lot about this I like. It starts off <laughs> with the blizzard of 93, as if we all remember that. Right. The great, the great yeah. blizzard of 93. Thanks. Blizzard of 93, comma. That's how he starts it. Like, okay, I, I was, I'm assuming you lived in an area that in 1993 a blizzard blew through. Uh, yeah. We'll just assume it's common knowledge. Blizzard of 93, yeah. comma. Everything yeah. was closed, so we had a multi-day block party, and the street became a giant sledding hill. I support multi-day block parties heavily. Um, yes. He said, when the township finally plowed us, no one wanted the party to end. So a bunch of the neighbors got their snowblowers out and blew snow back onto the street so the party would continue. I got to know where this blizzard happened, okay? <laughs> because it sounds like a great community you got there, Dan. And uh, uh, I'm glad your neighbors are at odds with the township over That's what hilarious. level of fun you're allowed to have in the snow. Good, good So on they you. were snowed in because of the blizzard and decided to turn into a big outdoor party. And then the city caught up plowed the street clean so life could go back to normal and they, and they, and they, they said no thank they you snow and back put all the, the snow back into the street and a lot of people say that's irresponsible in creating a road hazard that uh, could a lot of people say fight free right to party in the blizzard yeah. and they were fighting yeah yeah religious so freedom Ryan, man i'm gonna fight for my say, right to Ryan party. george says snow kayaking behind a vehicle is fun oh my downhill gosh. snow kayaking is a straight adrenaline rush especially with jumps Airborne kayaks do not naturally occur in nature for a reason. One being broken rib my buddy got while jumping without fear, without wearing my life jacket. I just love that they put the life jackets on. Like they thought that was the padding that (laughs) was going to help them if they ran into a tree or something. It's not a bad strategy. What was a life jacket going to do? It's a helmet too. I wouldn't want to be trapped in a kayak, like with my legs inside of the thing, like if it tipped over or something like that, then yeah. you're being dragged. At least if you're on a sled or sitting on top of something and it went bad, like it stops, you know, the ride stops. But the kayak, you could get hurt, man. That's dumb. Thanks. Yeah, John yeah. Smith. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about youth pastors and all the dumb things mm-hmm. they did. Well, here he is. As a youth leader at a winter retreat, I figured out how to put three people on a snow tube that was made for one. And he wants us to know he's an engineer in real life. So that's why he could do this. Uh, it says, we broke all speed records that day and crashed. I broke two ribs, dislocated my clavicle and spent the weekend in the ER, but no teens mm-hmm. were injured. <laughs> I don't even wow. know. I didn't even know a clavicle could be dislocated. Well, there you go. Well, there's there's a lot more stories. You should go check out all the replies at Relevant Podcast on Twitter. And you, as a as a little bonus for your effort, you will see a picture of a garfoose 
somebody made it snow garfoos, which is half <laughs> giraffe, half moose. And it is a glorious, glorious snow creature. So that's there as well. Anna Lawrence did that one. Um, okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, as you know, it's the 8th. This is this week is Valentine's Day, the 14th. It's coming up. So, you know, we were thinking about Valentine's. We were thinking about question of the week. We we're going to ask creative ideas or craziest Valentine's. Story. No, we actually want to just know your worst date story. It doesn't have to be Valentine's Day. We want to know your worst date story. Everybody Lay has one. You better hit us up with it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. And we'll also post the question on the Relevant Magazine IG page, IG stories. Well, before we wrap it up, I want to thank Deb Falada for joining us today. Uh, make sure to check out the new U series presented by UHSM. It's a lot of great content over there. Also, while you're at the website, make sure to check out Deeper Walk. It's over in the faith section. It's our daily devotional series presented by Lumo. We do a morning devotional email every weekday, or you can just check it out in the faith section at relevantmagazine.com. Also, make sure if you like the music here on the show, uh, check out the Heard on the Relevant Podcast Spotify playlist there for all you Spotify fans or users. And uh, if you like the show, tell people, rate it, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you hear us. Uh, it helps us, it helps the algorithm get the show out there even more. All right. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. Derek Miner. Don't forget, guys. Valentine's Day is in six days. You better be ready. Better get ready. All right. We'll see. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you on Friday. Thanks for listening to the Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. What if you're the monkey bartender? What are you making them? Relevant Podcast Network.